not win. We did not win. <laughs> but we had fun. We did. And that's actually, at our captain's meeting, that's what I told him. I was like, hey, come from Dauphin Way. We're looking for, we love Dumas Wesley. This is a fundraiser yesterday for Dumas Wesley. We're here to support. We're probably not going to win. <laughs> but we're going to have fun. And that was prophetic because that's exactly what happened. Y'all didn't know, y'all didn't know you had a prophet as a preacher, did you? Come on. We're going to be finishing up our series on Moses this week. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. I might have told you 30, 1 through 8. Oh, no, that's right. Okay, we got it. We're good. I was looking at the scripture for what I'm going to read. And um, this is closing out the series. But before I do, I just want to say I just had this kind of thought sitting there, you know, about to tear up. Because I'm so thankful for Clark leading the team today. um, Because Christine, one of her children, is participating in the children's musical next door. And um, for those of you who don't know, Clark and Morgan are moving to Atlanta at the end of this month, and we're going to be so sad to not have them with us. And we'll, we'll say a prayer over them as I go you know, later on, but I just was so appreciative, Clark, you leading the team today. Hearing you seems like John Mark McMillan up here, so thanks, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Y'all didn't know we had, like, John Mark McMillan's cousin leading worship today. I got it all folded weird. All right. I'm like one hot mess today, y'all. I'm trying. All right. We're going to Deuteronomy. Here we go. Let's read the Bible. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo. That's a fun name, Mount Nebo. From the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan. All of Nephtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh. All the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea. The Negev and the whole region of the Valley of Jericho. The city of Palms and Zoar. They sent me, you go to seminary to learn how to say those words, just so you know. (laughs) Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I've let you see it with your eyes. He's speaking to Moses. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor, Peor, Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. This is the word of God for the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. So we're finishing up our series called Caught in Between. And the first week we talked about that they were caught in between and Moses was caught in between the comfort of his life and the calling of the Lord. If you remember in the second week, we we talked about being caught in between the idea of waiting for somebody else to do something and acting in the ways God might have led us or gifted us. There's plenty of times in our life where we think somebody else will do something or something needs to change and we're not willing to do it. But maybe the Lord is calling us to it. Last week, we had this Stuck in between moment, this caught in between moment for Moses between God and everyone else. And how sometimes following God's path and calling on our life will make it look like we are crazy. We don't know what we're doing. Nobody will trust us. They'll complain about our actions. But we know we're being faithful to God's calling on our life. And how sometimes only prayer can be, the only, can be our only response in certain situations. But today, for this last week, as we wrap up this series, and I really enjoyed writing these sermons and and thinking through this series, um, I'm not going to do quite as much application at the end of the sermon as I do. I'll do a little bit, but not normally as much. I just really want us to just sit with this story of Moses, 
to just kind of close this out by imagining we are there with them. If we, we can put ourselves in Moses' shoes, but also just imagine what it would have been like to walk through this journey, to experience it together. And, and from this mental journey together, I think we'll discern the truth from the story without me even having to say it. And so as we get ready to jump in, before we do, I do want to read a poem. And I mentioned to somebody I was reading a poem, and they're like, really? Like, really? Um, and I mentioned to somebody else. What I, was re- I told William Terry what I was reading. He goes, oh, I love Wendell Berry. He's so good. And I told somebody else who was reading a poem, and he was like, don't read poems. But some of you will like this. Some of you won't, but I'm going to read it. It's a, a poem by a man named Wendell Berry. He's a great theologian, but he's just also just like a farmer, real cool dude. It's called Manifesto, Manifesto, the Mad Farmer Liberation Front. And I'm not gonna read the whole thing, just a a portion of it. Love the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay, want more of everything ready-made. Be afraid to know your neighbors and to die, and you will have a window in your head. And not even your future will be a mystery. Your mind will be punched in a card and shut away in a little drawer. When they want you to buy something, they'll call you. When they want you to die for a profit, they'll let you know. So friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord, love the world. Work for nothing, take all you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into mold. Call that prophet. Prophesy such returns. Put your faith in the two inches of hummus that will build under the trees every thousand years. Listen to the carrion. Put your ear close and hear the faint chattering of the songs that are to come. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. Practice resurrection. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen Amen indeed. What if I told you? Have you all seen those ESPN commercials for the 30 for 30s? They always start, what if I told you that one day you make millions of dollars and then not have any? Like, you know, that's how they start. That's how I'm gonna start. What if I told you that you were going to work your entire life for one cause. What if I told you that you would be a great leader? People would look up to you, respect you, and admire you, yet you would also get constant complaining and grief. What if I told you you are going to stand in the presence of God in a way no one else ever had? What if I told you you were going to be given information that would forever change the world? That 3,000 years later, people would still remember your name, make statues of you, and celebrate your leadership? And what if I told you Despite being chosen by God, despite being a courageous leader who sacrificed everything, despite being faithful and almost without blemish for 40 years of leadership in the most hot and hostile climate, what if I told you that in spite of everything, you would not live to see your greatest dream come to fruition? Would knowing that fact at the beginning of a journey, if I told you that you could have all these things, but that you would also not see the end of all of your toil, would you, knowing that fact up front, would you choose to say yes to that journey? And that's my question for us this morning. Ultimately, where I'll end as well. Now, Moses did not initially know that he was not gonna get to enter the promised land, um, but he did find out eventually. 
But my, I just wonder, as we think about this story, I can't help think of my own life and our own lives. If we were given an opportunity to be a leader and to do all these great things, but the ending would not be what we wanted it to be, would we still do it? These past three weeks, we've really just been brushing the surface of the Moses story, and I've covered so little that I really encourage you to go read all about Moses' life, to go read the Torah. Now, a lot of the Torah, a lot of the first five books of the Bible are filled with laws about how like, Jewish people are supposed to live, and they are very tough to get through at times. I, um, there's, my wife and I have a joke about like, starting, like we're gonna read the Bible this year, and then we get to Leviticus, and we're like, maybe next year. Because, you know, you just get drugged down. But, but I'll say that the story surrounding Moses' life, they're all very exciting. They're all very compelling. They're all very fascinating. And we started a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, with his birth and his calling into ministry and to lead the people out of Egypt. We were with him when they went into the wilderness, when they came up to the edge of the sea and they had to cross it and he had the staff in his hand. We were with him last week whenever they went to this watering hole where they couldn't drink the water and then God made it where they could. But that's really just the beginning of the story. And we're ending the series today. So we're leaving out a lot. We're leaving out like all the times, like the exciting things when Moses went to Mount Sinai and, came, and God came down and spoke in a cloud and, and Moses spent time with the Lord where he received the 10 commandments. We skip the part where um, the, all the laws around the 10 commandments were given to Moses as well as whenever he learned how to create the tabernacle and when the tabernacle was first created. We skipped all the, the parts about um, where the people rebelled against God and God got angry and wanted to destroy the people, but Moses intercedes and changes God's mind. Do you ever remember that story? Do you realize that? Like it, so this is a whole, a whole separate sermon about can God change God's mind and what actions do we have? Do we affect God and we pray? Because that's essentially what happens in that story and what does that mean for our lives? We can't have that sermon because I don't have time, I'm sorry. But unfortunately, we had to also skip over the battles that Moses led people into. Like the one where he held up his hands and as long as his arms were held up, they were winning. But when he got tired and they started to fall, the people started to lose the battle. And so his brother, they, he and his brother and a friend, they held his hands up for him. They continued to support him. Like, isn't that a great sermon? Isn't that a great story that we have to have people supporting us? But again, we're not able to kind of spend all of our time there as we move on to this last part. And you might be thinking, well, why don't you just make this series a lot longer? Well, we're starting a real cool series next week called Her Story, where we celebrate stories of women throughout scripture, and we're gonna have different people preaching with us. Kathy, Kathy's never preached in the contemporary service. She's gonna preach next week. I'm excited about that. My, uh, one of my former students, Bria Rochelle, will preach the week after that, and then Sheila will wrap it up for us. So we're ending it here because this is just our proper time to end it, but I'm sad we lose so much of the story, so I really do encourage you to go read it. And you might also say, well, if we're gonna be at a one last story, why focus on the death of Moses? Why not spend one of the, our last weeks you know, in that, one of those cooler stories? Everybody dies. Like, like, why do we have to concern ourselves with that? Because I'll say this. The circumstances surrounding Moses' death are very interesting. And I don't think we ever consider them fully and the ramifications they have on his life and our life as well. Um, so I encourage you, you know, what does it mean for Moses to have died in this way is actually a pretty interesting question to think about. I imagine um, if I had asked you before this series began or even before the sermon, you know, who led the people into the promised land, most of us would say Moses because he's the one who led them out of exodus, uh, the exodus out of Egypt. He's the one who took them in the wilderness. We always assume Moses led the people. But the very end of Deuteronomy, this is the last part of Moses' story. He gets up you know, to be able to see the, and he doesn't actually do the leading. 
Joshua is a person who leads the people into the promised land. Our text today began with Moses going up on Mount Nebo. And he goes on to the mountaintop of, um, at the top of Pisgah on Mount Nebo, and he's looking out across the land. And what's really cool about this vantage point, if you've ever been there, if you go there, when you're up there, if you look behind you, you see desert. You see a wilderness. There's no life. It's truly this stark contrast. And on the other side of the mountain, it's green. It's lush. It's forest. It's the land of milk and honey, just like God told Abraham it would be. There's a distinct contrast between desert wilderness and promised land. And Moses goes up onto this mountain, and he looks, and he sees that they have reached the place where they've been working to get to. And where you think, um, man, this is super exciting. I bet Moses is just like pumped in this moment. I wonder, too, if his heart is just not broken also, because it's kind of cruel. The, the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. This is the land you struggled for for 40 years in the wilderness. This is what you, you doubted if it was real. Here it is. You, you've been leading the people based on a promise that we will make it to this point. Everything you've worked for up, until your point, up to this point in your life is for that place. And the Lord goes on to say, I've let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over. You shall not go in there. And then the narrator, right after, right after God says that part, the narrator picks back up the story and says, then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. And that's it. They grieved Moses' death. The people were sad he died. But that's the end of Moses' story. Did you know that? Like, maybe, maybe this is old hat for you. Maybe I'm just repeating things you already know. But, but did you ever realize, like, this is kind of like a, a Shakespearean tragedy, isn't it? Like something like Macbeth or Hamlet. Like when you watch, you, you see this hero who is just, he sacrifices all. He is, he is giving of himself all the time. He is doing what the Lord asks of him. He is not appreciated by the people who he leads. They're constantly complaining against him. He does what is supposed to be right. He could have stayed in a very nice, easy life with his wife being a shepherd, but he decides to do this really difficult thing. He goes to Egypt. They cross the wilderness. They're there for 40 years. And then at the last minute, when it should be like the climax of the movie where like all is well and you tie it up, it's like the most sad ending ever. Sometimes I cry at the end of movies. I'm not afraid to admit it. If this was a movie and I hadn't read it from the Bible, I'd be like crying for Moses because he's gone through all these different things and yet he doesn't get to experience the promise fulfilled. His paradise is deferred. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of a strange way to end. I mean, now I'll give you the explanation the Bible gives us for why he didn't get to go in there. It, was a, it seems a little silly, actually, I'm just gonna be honest. But, but a few chapters before this, in the book, end of the book of Numbers, um, if you've read the story of Moses before, you know and the, the place of Repidim, he takes a staff and he hits a rock and water comes out of the rock. Well, that was in Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. At the end of Numbers, this kind of same scenario comes up again. The people get to a place where there is no water. They're complaining again, as they always do. Moses is crazy frustrated. And the Lord tells him to speak to this rock and water will come out of it. But he's so worked up, he's so frustrated that he instead takes his staff and he hits the rock twice. And water comes out of it, just like it did in Exodus. However, that's not what the Lord commanded him to do. So I'll read to you the text. This is from Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, take this staff and assemble the congregation, you and your brother Aaron, and command the rock to before their eyes to yield its water. Thus you shall bring water out of the rock and provide drink for the congregation and the livestock. 
So Moses took the staff from the, before the Lord as he commanded. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, listen, you rebels, shall we bring water out for you? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water came out abundantly in the congregation and the livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me to show my holiness before the eyes of the Israelites, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I'm giving them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and by which he showed his holiness. It seems kind of unfair, doesn't it? I mean, he's, he's worked at this like his entire life and then one mistake, he doesn't get to experience the promised land. I mean, that's an, again, in a whole nother sermon, a whole, I'd love to have a conversation, like let's all get together and talk about the fact that what, what is justice and how do we understand in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? How is it fair that like, what, I thought God's supposed to be forgiving and graceful. He makes like, he, he's still doing the Lord's work. He's given the water. He just doesn't do it necessarily the way the Lord commanded. But because of that, he doesn't get to go in the promised land. It's kind of crazy. Like I'm just, as a pastor, I even struggle with like that text to understand why that is the way it is. And we can have another, like I said, a whole conversation about that. But what I want to point out is something else. You can sit with that, let that simmer inside of you if you want, but I would like for us to move on beyond that thought just for today. I want to point out something that Moses does here that is unbelievably admirable. Like this is, this is where I want to end our Moses series because I want us to leave here realizing this about Moses and the character. As we've said, he's a sympathetic character. People are always complaining against him, though he's just doing what the Lord has commanded him. Moses finds out that he's not going to the promised land halfway through the book of Numbers, yet still continues to lead the people all the way until the end of Deuteronomy. Knowing that he will not be getting a reward, he continues to do the Lord's work. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? Have you, ever, have you ever realized that? Moses continued to lead knowing that there was nothing waiting for him at the end that he was not gonna get to experience it, that he was leading for somebody else. I mean, how much integrity does that take? Moses, he, he could have easily said, I'm not gonna do this anymore. There's nothing in it for me. Why should I continue leading y'all whenever all you do is complain against me, when all of you do is rebel against the Lord, you don't listen to me, y'all are always quarreling, like, y- y'all are good. Hey, have at it, have fun, I'm out of here. I put in my 30, I'm gonna go get my pension, I'm peacing out, I'm gonna go chill by the, I'm gonna be a shepherd again. Y- y'all just do it yourselves. But he continued to do the Lord's work in spite of the fact he knew he would not get the reward. This story makes me realize two truths, both of which are somewhat cliche. I'll admit, I don't love cliches, but they're just things that we need to remember. Things that are important of our Christian journey of following God. These things are, transcend just the Old Testament. They are threads throughout the New Testament as well. And I think they're very well personified in two of my favorite songs, two songs. I'm not gonna sing all of them for you. I might not even sing any of them. But the first is The Dance by Garth Brooks. And I don't know if you ever listened to Garth Brooks, but I'm a big Garth Brooks fan. And in this song, The Dance, if you've never heard it, I'll just explain it to you real fast, all right? So this song is a real sad song, but it's also a very sweet song. It's a song about a man who was in love for a long time, and then the person he loved, the woman he loved, died, and he was, you know, on his own. And the, and the verse and the chorus go like this. Looking back on the memory of the dance we shared beneath the stars above, for a moment, all the world was right. How could I have known you'd ever say goodbye? And now... I'm glad I didn't know the way, the way it all would end, the way it all would go. Our lives are better left to chance. I could have missed the pain. Here's the key. Here's the crux. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. 
friends, all right? So it begs the question, the question that I think we have asked ourselves a lot, is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? And though Moses' situation was not love of his spouse or woman, but love of the people, is it better for us to lead even knowing that there will be pain in the end? Do we remember the fact that it's not always about where we're gonna end up, but God is present in the journey? I wonder if Moses at the end, when he's sitting on the top of Mount Nebo and he's looking out and he's like, man, was he bitter? I just wonder, I just wonder. Was he bitter thinking, I, I did all this work and I don't get to, I don't get to experience it. Was he mad at the people for taking so long, for being so quarrelsome? If they hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have hit the rock. It's really their fault that I'm not going in. I imagine, I don't think it was. I might've felt that way. But I wonder if Moses looks out and goes, we did it. We got here. I might not get to experience it, but the Lord's promise is being fulfilled and the people will get to experience it. He lived a life beyond himself. He was investing beyond his own reward. Isn't that fascinating? The other song is a song I helped write with some friends when we lived in Panama City. Um, they really did it. I just was there and kind of you know, played a little bit of music and pretended that like I knew what I was doing. But the verse goes like this, and it's a very strange song, so just so, keep your fishes, keep your loaves. I don't need miracles to believe. I already believe. I walked on water before it was wine. Oh, this faith of mine, I don't need nothing except for your love for me. Oh, I don't need heaven because your spirit lives inside with me. I need no incentive. I need no reward. You paid it forward with your love. I don't need heaven. And this is not to say we don't believe in heaven. It was not to say that, that we don't think there's a, some existence in the hereafter that we want to experience as well. But this idea of incentive-based faith that I think we are falling into in the 21st century. It might have gone on before the 21st century also. I'm just saying, I know it's very present now. This idea of why are we Christians? Why are we following Jesus? Are we in this whole game, this whole thing? Are we doing all this so that we can get to heaven? Or are we doing this because God gave us life, love, freedom, forgiveness? Now, I'm not saying that things are mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to have one without the other. But what is our basis of faith? If there was no promise of reward, if there was no heaven, I'm not saying I believe that, I'm just uh, hypothetically. If there were no heaven, would you still be a Christian? If there was no guarantee of assurance that you would have eternal life in the hereafter, would you live a life of love? Would you willingly sacrifice of yourself? Would you give for others? Would you pick up a cross daily and follow Jesus? Would you do all this faith stuff without the promise of a reward? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where you are in that. I don't know. I can say how, what I think about, what I feel. Like, yeah, sure, I totally would. But when the, when the going got tough and the people, if, if as a pastor, everybody's always complaining against me and everyone always told me I was wrong and everyone always told me they don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know what I'm doing. And I also knew that I was gonna get nothing out of this. There's nothing in it for me. I would get no promise. I would get no heaven. I would get no reward. I would have a hard time not just piecing out and saying, y'all take care of it. But Moses didn't. The idea of reward for him was not the life hereafter. We, we have very little language about heaven in the first five books of the Bible. The idea of reward for them was the promised land. Everything they were working for, everything they were hoping for was the promised land. To getting to the land of milk and honey, getting to the place where God delivers them. 
And Moses knew he would not get to go in there, yet still continued to lead. Why are we Christians? Why do we do this? Is it just for, as some people say, the the fire insurance? Think about that for a second. Are we in this because we wanna make sure we get something out of it? Is this for us? Or is this because we believed in a God of all things, we wanna praise God's name, God desires the glory, and God's already given us so much that part of this is about the fact that we're on this journey, that we are blessed to be on this journey with God. We are blessed to be in this life of Christianity to where we experience the goodness of Jesus Christ and we wanna give that goodness to others. I mean, it's not an easy question. I don't have the perfect answer and I'm not gonna tell you exactly what you have to think. I'm just gonna leave us to end this series with that question. What is your faith based on? Why do you follow Jesus? And are you living a life beyond yourself like Moses did? Are you investing in, in things that you will not harvest, as this poem is saying? Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias knowing you'll never see them fully grown. Are you investing in things that will live beyond yourself, knowing that you might not see the reward of it, whether it's something in the here and now? Are you living a life only so we can get? Are we living a life that says, I'm gonna give of myself abundantly because God gave to us abundantly. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this series. We thank you for the fun of journeying with Moses and we ask that you continue to convict us. Help us to know how you want us to live our lives and help us to understand why we are living our lives the way we are. Let us be intentional with our personal reflection and introspection. Let us think about the ways in which that you are working in our life and the way that we are partnering with you. We thank you for this church and what it means to all of us. And we ask now that you come be present at the table. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.